0: Hi, my name is Dennis Corman. I'm the executive producer for UFC on Eurosport in the Netherlands, also host for the Vechtersbazen podcast. Now go, try say that. And you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters.
1: We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
0: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nii Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams.
1: The PSP faithful know me affectionately as Kobe. And today we're going to talk a little bit about mixed martial arts because it's the Friday Fight Show where we cover everything in the world of the fight game. Today we got a guest joining us all the way from the Netherlands. He's executive producer at Eurosport. He's a true aficionado when it comes to the fight game. I'd like to introduce you to Dennis Kornman. Dennis, how are you doing?
0: Well, I'm uh, fine What an introduction. Thank you very much. H- uh, happy to be here. Great to have you on,
1: buddy. Great to have you on. Now, today I want to cover some personal opinions, some fact, but let's start off with a little bit of rumor. Let's go. There's a lot of talk amongst the community about the possibilities of Bellator folding after the deal with PFL fell through. Do you hear much about this yeah. on your on your side there? Do you hear much about this in Europe?
0: Well, I think just about, just about the same as with you here on your side. I mean, these rumors have been going around for, for months now, right? Haven't they? First PFL were going to take over and uh, then PFL withdrawn. Now PFL has been taken over by some Saudi, uh, uh, party or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know some friends, that, uh, who have the rights for the Dutch broadcaster to broadcast Bellator and they also let, been let in, in, in the dark. I have no clue what's going to happen. They've, uh, everything is now pointed towards Bellator 300 I think they're going to put like four title fights yeah what does that tell you that maybe they try to put everybody on one card before uh, the last hurrah or something like that
1: that's right so it's entirely speculation from everyone right there's yes. no hard evidence coming from anywhere
0: no no there's a lot of rumors though about fighters leaving Bellator about, like Mac- Michael Phantom Page being a free agent there will be rumors about uh, uh, Pitbull maybe moving to UFC uh, AJ McKee maybe may leaving so, but then again, again, all rumors and speculation—nothing official yet. So, yeah, it's a—it's uh, a little bit weird, if you ask me.
1: Okay, okay, I was—I was hoping maybe you had a little more information than I do, but it seems like we got the same. Yeah, <laughs> no problem.
0: Unfortunately, not.
1: Now, more factual. Now, where is MMA growing the fastest in Europe? In your opinion?
0: Oh, that's tough to say. I know, uh, France is massive. We just had the UFC show there two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yep. Uh, and, and for the second time in a row, it was really, really, really exciting. The crowd is so into it. The, the stadium, the, the atmosphere there was so electric all night long. You always say, like, if you look for the best fans, go to London or Dublin, you know, those are the most passionate fans. But, man, I got to tell you, those French guys, they really give them a run for their money. So, at the moment, I think, it's, in France especially, it's been banned for so long, right? It's only been legal for the last two years. That's right. And, and, and since it's been... Uh, legalized you can re- really see an explosion of like interest in the sport but also the explosion of talent too. like we have the likes of zero gun of course most prominent in the ufc but we have a lot of young talent uh scratching the surface now and i think we're going to hear a lot from them in the next coming years
1: now combat sports has been a mainstay in the netherlands for quite some time it's pretty much the center of kickboxing in europe why do you think the ufc hasn't really put on much in the netherlands itself
0: uh, we had two shows here, 2016 and 2017, especially the 2016 one was a real homecoming. We had uh, Alistair Overeem in the main event, Stephen Struve in the co-main event, uh, Jermaine Durandamy, and, and they all had massive knockouts, and that that night was so special and so meaningful for the Dutch MMA scene. And then the next year obviously wasn't such a success also because of the results. Uh, and since then, they haven't been back. It has a lot to do with legislation, with problems getting a permit here. And uh, But what I do know from that first time when I came in, as 2016 had a massive influence because everybody could see it on TV. It was uh, events going all around the country all week long with fighters, stuff like that. So uh, it turned a lot of heads towards MMA and developed a lot of talent. A lot of people coming through the ranks now maybe saw their first MMA fight on that night in, in 2016, right? So to answer your question, why haven't they been back? A little bit of problems with permit, like I said, and we don't have a lot of prominent fighters at the moment, right? Like then, we had like three, four big names in the UFC. Alice Oven retired, Seven Struve retired, Jermaine Derenamy is still there, but all, almost one foot out the door as well. And there haven't been any successors yet. So we need some, we need some talent to break through the ranks in order to uh, put us back on the map, I think.
1: Now, Jermaine Derenamy wants to come back. Do you think that's a yes. good idea for her?
0: Yeah, why not? If she still, she still has the fight in her, she still wants to close her career on, on, on the right way. Yeah, why not? I mean, she's 39 now. She just had a baby beginning of this year. So that's always tough to come back after such, such a thing at that age but you know she's so talented and she's so experienced now and she seems to be in a good headspace i don't know I, and especially now with the division in uh, division in the uc it's a mess right i mean that's right uh, amanda, amanda Nunes retired we haven't heard anything since i think they're waiting for jolly juliana peña to come back probably against raquel pennington that's not really a head turner for most fans i think jermaine enemy have wins over both so you know she have, maybe she have one tune-up fight and she might be right back in the mix
1: that's true. It's, it's actually a, a ripe time to step in and make, make a name for yourself again. So, yeah.
0: Now is the time. Uh, otherwise, you will never do it. If you, now not right, the right time, then it's never going to happen.
1: Now, you mentioned her age. You said 39. I want to talk about someone who's a little bit older. Uh, Steve Bay mm-hmm. is 41. Yes. He's coming back after, I mean, his last win was in 2020, I believe, was the last time yeah. he won. He's coming back to face John Jones. Does, does that fight really matter?
0: Yes, of course it matters. I think that's the only reason John Jones wants it because it's a legacy fight for him. For him to beat the best heavyweight of all times, because that's how they put down Steeper, right? How they describe him because he's the longest reign. For him to beat that guy would be a massive feather in his cap. So I think that fight matters. He's still a big name. I think it's still probably the, the biggest fight they can make at this moment at heavyweight. And I don't see John Jones being interested in any other fight at this moment or after that
1: would you consider it a retirement fight for both of them?
0: Uh, I, Well, uh, as weird as it may sound, I think sooner rather for Jones than for Stipe, because Stipe, I don't know, he's always followed his own path, right? And he's 41, but he's still, he's waited, waited his chance, you know, even though he's aging, he, he didn't rush into any other fight. He waited for the right moment. And now he's rewarded with this big fight against John Jones, This is a big money fight for him as well. Right. And what if he beats John Jones? Then, he cements his legacy as the greatest heavyweight of all time, even more. So, John Jones, I see walking off in, this, in the sunset after this. Maybe do the rematch with Stipe, depending on how the fight goes. Uh, but Stipe, I don't know. I don't know. He might stick around for another year or two if he's feeling all right.
1: Okay. So, lately, you've had a lot of talk as a result of a draw <laughs> between yeah, Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Who do you feel won that fight?
0: Honestly, I felt that Shevchenko won the fight, but it was close. So when I first announced the result and said it was a majority draw, I could actually have peace with that because the fight was so close. It could have been a draw. It could have been the right decision. It's the only, the uh, the only thing is the way they came to that draw is wrong, right? The 10-8 round in the, in the fifth. Other than that, the fight was so close. And either way, you know, because Shevchenko, you could make a case for Shevchenko winning, you could make a case for Grasso winning as well. On my scorecards, I had Shevchenko winning, but I had no problem with the draw. And either way you put it, it it, uh, justifies a third fight, right? And especially now with all the controversy. But yeah, I, I thought Shevchenko did enough to win three rounds against two.
1: Now, we've had a number of controversies and a number of major decisions that have significant importance within the UFC. Are people getting tired of these controversial decisions in Europe?
0: Well, you know, I have a podcast every Monday morning with uh Marcel, you know, Big Marcel and also Gilbert Eiffel, former UFC fighter. And we talk about this f- almost every week almost every week we're talking about the judges and and that's not a good thing right I mean it's it, they're still human you know so the, the the margin of human error is always going to be there no matter what system you apply but for us to be going week in week out talking about the, the mistakes the judges made and we're not talking small mistakes right in the case of Shevchenko this is a mistake that is going to influence both of their lives for many years to come it's going to cost them millions it's going to cost them contracts it's going to cost them you know pay a few points the next fight the consequences go so deep from this one guy just fucking up it's 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 not doable anymore man and I think a lot of fans uh, are also fed up with it because you know boxing is known for a lot of dodgy decisions Uh, I don't think we want to head that way with, with MMA and I don't think MMA is corrupt like that like boxing is but I do think that uh, uh, yeah, the system is broken, and we need to change it asap. Because otherwise, the, the the sport is going to hurt from it.
1: Now, what do you think's the the easier or better route to go? Should they change the criteria for judging, or should they completely change the way judges are?
0: Yeah, are, are... this is also something we talk about every week, <laughs> and we never come to a full conclusion, right? Because there's no there's no perfect solution, but. I do know something. We need to change something. And uh, one of the things I always say, like we have the 10-point must system, right? Which comes from boxing, which works great for boxing. Because in boxing, uh, you're better than a guy who went 10-9. You, you get a knockdown, you win 10-8, right? You have yes. two knocks down, you win 10-7. MMA is different like that. MMA with the takedowns, the grappling, top control, you can't score it like that, you know? So even if you dominate a guy on top or a girl on top for majority of the round, when is it a 10-9? When is it 10 So... For starters, I think they should change the scoring system like that. And and second of all, one thing I think, like uh, Mike Bell, who had the 10-8 round in the in the fifth, with the Shevchenko-Grasso fight, what is he thinking? What's going through his mind? Get this guy to give a statement. You know, I don't say you have to give uh, let him have an interview on public television, but but bring him in front of a commission. Let him explain what he's seeing, what made him decide to give the 10-8 right, so we can all understand what criteria he's using. And 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 that way we can try to clarify the criteria, so we can all get to a better system or a better way of judging fights, right? I think that would help help a a great deal as well.
1: For sure. I mean, and, and gambling has become such an important side of sports. Yes. And now gambling on MMA is is such a huge thing, but it's becoming difficult <laughs> to trust yourself gambling on MMA because you have no idea how these judgments are going to go.
0: No. Right. No, hey. if you put a lot of money with Shevchenko Saturday, you'll be very pissed with Mike Bell now. <laughs> you'll
1: be extremely pissed.
0: <laughs> He'll right. be in the, in front of his house now. I think.
1: Okay, now let's 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 move on from that. It's going a little something a little happier, <laughs> right?
0: Now, <laughs> okay, let's go.
1: Who do you believe deserves a title shot in the UFC that is not being discussed? Ooh. Across all divisions? Across all divisions. Is there somebody you think really deserves a title shot, but no one's talking about them getting a title shot?
0: Mm, well, but first come to mind is Marab, but he's being talked about, so yes. that's maybe not a fair example. Other than that, I don't know. It, it was Benil Darius for a long time, but then he got smashed by uh, Oliveira, so he's off the books for a little while. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really. No, no, Nobody really comes to mind, honestly, at the moment.
1: Okay. okay who so who
0: would you say? No, because the, in every every division has the clear contenders, right? I mean, in in bantamweight it's Marab or maybe uh, maybe even Vera, most likely. Heavyweight it's after Jones and Cipe, it should be Gaan or Pavlović, uh, most likely Pavlovich. Uh, so that's all pretty clear-cut. Um, light heavyweight, we just yeah, there's no real guys out there would.
1: I mean, light heavyweight
0: you can't count.
1: Right, because it doesn't no. really have a champion right now. So
0: no, and, and it's a bit of a mess that division as That's well. Right. So yeah, no, I can't. I can't really. I can't really get one to mind that that guy should get a title shot. Nobody's talking about. I think that okay, the, the so, usual sub- subjects are being discussed. Right?
1: Yes. Well, so there's a, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Now, I think you're a little more like me, where you've been following MMA for a very long time. Yeah, and you feel like somebody really needs to deserve a title shot to get one. Right? They need yes. to earn it. Yes. But that isn't the case anymore in the UFC.
0: No, it's about pay-per-view sales.
1: It's right. It's about popularity. So, someone I think sort of may- maybe deserves a title shot or at least to be in the conversation mm-hmm. is Shafkat Rachmanov.
0: Oh, definitely. But I think a lot of people are clear on the fact, they agree on the fact that he will get a title shot. Maybe he needs one more fight. Because when is this guy fighting? we supposed to fight last week against Keston, right? That fight fell through. So, that could have been his gateway fight. Beat Gaslam in an impressive way, and he, you're right there. So I think he maybe needs one more fight. I think he's still a little bit of unknown for the, for the the mainstream fans. But I think guys like you and me and the guys who follow the sport uh, all the time, I think they pretty agree on the fact that he will get a title shot anytime between now and next year.
1: Okay. Okay. And is there somebody that maybe isn't being talked about that's on their way up out of the Netherlands?
0: Oh, well, not yet on that level. We have a lot of talent because as you said at the beginning of the podcast, we are primarily a kickboxing country. Yeah. That's what we're known for. And uh, we're a little bit like connoisseurs and we little bit were arrogant towards MMA for a long time. Uh, some exceptions there, of course, but, uh, and only be catching on. Like, like I said, for the last decade or so, we'll be catching on. So a little bit later than the rest, uh, but there's a lot of young talent. Coming through the ranks, we have some nice local organizations, some grassroots organizations, putting on good shows, which develop some good talent. So, there will be some talent coming through the ranks. Uh, like I said, we just had Yusi you know, like uh, Alex Pereira's t- uh training partner in the contender series two weeks ago. That didn't go well. Week before that, we had Dutch girl in the contender series, also didn't go well. But there's some, yeah. That that only points out there are some. Guys close, close to that level that will come through the ranks uh, anytime soon. I think in, in the next year or two, we'll have some more Dutch fighters in the UFC on
1: 100%. Okay, and you, you had mentioned how you feel that sort of like Cirogan is kind of like the catalyst right now for MMA in, in France. Yes. Where does Manon Fioro fit in that?
0: a little bit under the radar if you ask me if you see um gone is really i could sense everywhere in france he's like a mainstream popular guy he's not a popular he's a pop he's not a popular fighter he's a popular person right everybody knows him because he hangs out with big football stars he's on big game shows and stuff like that so he's really really well known manon not so much he's very well known in the fight community also maybe also since the last 18 months or so making a name for himself but uh, yeah, within fight among fight fans, is very popular or uh, well known. But uh, outside of that, not. Might change if she gets the title shot next and and become the first French UFC champion. That will be huge for sure.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah. Now I was wondering about that because again, sometimes women and women's MMA goes a little bit unnoticed.
0: Yes, That US Sportsbook is your
1: ultimate destination for online betting with sports betting, live betting, racebook online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. You you had already mentioned that, you know, the women's bantamweight division is up for the taking, okay? So yep. you had mentioned that. And we have also already mentioned that the light heavyweight division is sort of in flux. Yes. Outside of those two divisions, which division do you think has the weakest champion, the one that's most susceptible?
0: Ha. <laughs> Can only be one, right? Go ahead. Uh, Sean Strickland. (laughs) Sean Strickland can only be one. Amazing. Right, don't get me wrong I fucking love Sean Strickland man I think okay. he's, he's a character he's great but I think even he was surprised that he was getting a tighter shot and even more so surprised that he was actually beating Izzy I think nobody in the whole world believed that that would happen and I remember watching that fight and I had Jermaine me in the studio with us uh, during the live broadcast and she was one of the only persons I know who said he has a chance he can win uh, during <laughs> the fight she was just looking at me smiling the whole time <laughs> saying like I told you so I told you so I was like yeah yeah you're right you're right but I still couldn't believe it up until the i knew he won the fight but up until the official decision i heard bruce buffett say add new we was like okay this is really happening now but yeah i don't know i i think it's funny i i sure hope he can defend it for a couple of times but this is a belt that probably will change hands pretty fast again
1: yeah that one surprised me too i'm surprised you actually know someone that thought he was gonna win like that yeah that's that's how surprising (laughs) that is
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Now, if you're the UFC matchmaker, who would you want him fighting next?
0: Uh, Sean Strickland. Yeah. Well, we talked about this in our podcast as well, because everybody said, "Now you have to do the Izzy rematch." I'm like, "Eh, I don't like that. Why? No. Neither, neither do I. Because why should Izzy get a rematch? He got a rematch off the Pereira loss which makes sense because he's been a long-reigning champion, have this rivalry, do the second fight. You know, there's a lot of reasons to justify that. But Sean Strickland, no. He just had the belt back for one time. Sean Strickland beat him fair square. There was no controversy. There was no you know, early stoppage or whatever. No, he beat him fair square, across the, across the table, uh, unanimous decision. So I think the division should move on from that. And if you ask who should be next, Ricky Suplassi he's the number one contender, so he would be the logic next guy to fight for the belt at the same time i feel like i don't want to break up him and Izzy. right let them fight let them fight each other because that's going to be a good fight regardless of there's a belt in 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 play or not that's right so yeah so sean strickland yeah who does that leave him uh cannoneer yeah cannoneer yeah cannoneer Cannoneer because he has a win over strickland but honestly if you ask me, I don't want to see that fight again because that fight was <laughs> terrible. That was a terrible fight. So, logic answer. And I think this is what's going to happen also. You see 294. We have Kamsat against Paulo Costa. Yes. So, if Kamsat does something extraordinary, beats Costa, he's going to be next in line. For sure. But you could say the same thing for Paulo Costa. If he does something really significant against uh, Kamsat Shemaev, He might be next as well. So I, I think so. like you could, that's like a low key number one contender fight. If you ask me.
1: Okay. Now how, how much press does Hamzat get in Europe?
0: Not specifically much, not specific, not more than, than the other big stars. He gets a lot of press. He's very well known of course, especially with like the, 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 the the Muslim part of the community. They, they worship him. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's their biggest star. Um, but other than that, he's not yet that big of a star. He's very well known. Everybody loves him, and he comes to smash people and all that. But he's not really like a mainstream star yet.
1: Okay, so I want to ask your your opinion on this because he's been somewhat like persona non grata for a while, right? He's been yeah. he's been off the radar. He yeah, he's only getting talked about now because they got the fight with Costa set up. But if you look back at his UFC career specifically, yeah, there's one blip. There's one kind of blip, and and that's the fight at welterweight against yeah. w- w- uh, Dorino Burns. Yeah. Okay, so in that fight, he looked very suspect to me. Vulnerable. To me. He looked very vulnerable to me. Now, do you think that is a result of a bad cut? although, <laughs> or,
0: yeah.
1: or is is there legitimate weaknesses in his game? What do you think?
0: Well, that was an interesting fight for sure because it was his like highest-ranked opponent till date. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gilbert exposed him a little bit because Gil- Gilbert wasn't afraid of him, like a lot of other guys are intimidated by his presence, you know. And he does run through a lot of guys, but lower-ranked opponents. And Gilbert Burns didn't give a shit. He just sat in front of him and stand and bang with him, and that yeah, kind of surprised him. Yeah, and 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 that also made Chumayev his ego take over, while he threw the, ga- the game plan out of the window. So that's the biggest thing I take from that fight. That uh, not that he. Won a close decision, which he could have lost also maybe. But the fact that he just threw the whole game plan out the window and and got too emotional in that fight, right? That that's a problem. If you're gonna fight like the real top of the division, if you're gonna fight for a championship, that's going to be a problem. But he's still a young guy, so we can approve.
1: See, the thing is, there's a lot of people looking at this fight against Costa as sort of a stepping stone fight for him, right? Like all, yeah. almost like they're looking on to the next fight past costa yeah. but when you compare costa to burns we're talking about a, a welterweight it isn't even a true welterweight right he, he's no. a small welterweight. he fought it lightweight
0: he's a blown up lightweight yeah yeah
1: and then and then costa which is a significantly different size right? who
0: fought at light heavyweight yeah
1: do, do you think that size difference is going to be a factor in this fight
0: it's going to be a factor if costa shows up in the best possible way he can Yes, then it's going to be a with but, but there's a problem with Costa. You never really know, do you? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what, the problem. Was the last? Yeah, what's the last time we saw Costa fight? I don't. It's been uh, been a while, you know. And if he shows up, yeah, it could be good, could be wrong. Was it uh, the Rockhold fight? Was that the last time? That yeah, was a fucking weird fight as well. Yeah, right?
1: exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, no, good. Super weird. Good. Now, you're of course you're an analyst, right? You you cover this. You have the podcast. Which fighters
0: are you an actual fan of? Oh, that's a tricky question. Uh, I'm a big fan of Alex Pereira. Okay. uh, But also a little bit personal because I know the guy well because I worked with him uh, for years at Glory Kickboxing when he was still there and I was working there at the time. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, I have a little bit of a personal connection with him. So I like his fighting style. But the same goes for Yuri. I really, really like uh, Yuri as well. I think he's amazing. Um, is absolutely somebody I really, really admire. Uh, yeah, and and the guys like Gagey, Poirier, obviously, the obvious obvious candidates, right? They everybody likes to watch. Yeah, yeah, and Jack Della Maddalena. I'm a big fan of Jack Della Maddalena as well.
1: Hey, so am I. I'm a huge JDM fan, buddy. Yeah, (laughs) so so JDM, (laughs) you know, you mentioned a few actually. (laughs) JDM, Shafkat like. I talk these guys up all the time, and yeah. the, the very first time I saw a JDM fight, I thought this guy's legit. This guy's for real, yeah. right? Yeah. And that was a great. That was a great last fight, by the way. It was a great fight.
0: It Was a great fight. Very technical. Very controlled. Not yeah. the, the the barn burner a lot of people expected, but still good. Good fight. And and
1: no disrespect to Holland, man. Like he looked good. You know he he's improving as well, right? So like them both, man.
0: Yeah, like them both, hundred percent.
1: Okay. That saying said, so w- when you were working with with Pereira. So how how raw was he when you first came across him?
0: Very raw because he, now he's starting to understand the whole media thing, right? So he plays with the media, does his YouTube channel. He does great. And I love how he's developed because at the beginning, obviously he doesn't speak English. I don't speak Portuguese. So there's always an interpreter uh, involved. So that's always a little bit awkward, right? You don't get your point across, you know, you don't get the emotion across. So, and he's, at the time, apparently, especially he wasn't a big talker. He would just give you this death stares, right? Which was intimidated the fuck out of me. It was like <laughs> fucking hell. This is what that? What did I do to this guy, right? And then so I actually asked it one time because I was doing an interview with him, and he was just staring at me while his uh, interpreter was translating. I was like, is he mad at me? Because he keeps staring at me. So he, they they translated again, and the translator like, you know, no, that's just how he looks always. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And in time, he he he, he kind of loosens up a little bit. He opened up a little bit, and he, he's actually a great guy, and you can actually laugh with him as well. But yeah, he's he's a character. He does everything his own his own way.
1: Now hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's you know he's he's taken on every challenge the UFC has put against him. But you you know him when he began. So do you feel going in like he was pushed too quickly or no?
0: Uh, maybe. But the backstory story with he justified it, right? I mean, the middleweight division was a little bit dried out. There were no new opponents for Israel. Here's this guy who beat him already twice in kickboxing. his Nemesis. So, yeah. And then he went in, went on to have a couple of spectacular knockouts in the UFC. Uh, Sean Strickland being one of the victims. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think maybe he was brought a little bit too fast. But also, remember, this guy is... 35 already, right? He's no young kid. He has yes. a long, long, extensive career behind him already. He has more, 120 plus fights or something like that. Something crazy. Boxing, kickboxing, MMA. So they couldn't wait too long, right? Cause now is the time. Now the, 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 the he's hot, right? And so we did a couple of good wins. Throw him in there because he might lose and then the story is gone. So no, I, I don't think they put him in too quickly. I think they did the right thing. But now it gets interesting because now you see him develop on the job, right? Because now uh, he goes from a kickboxer uh, uh, transforming slowly to a full-round MMA fighter. And we're just witnessing that whole process. I mean, that last fight against Blachowicz... Was a good example of that because in that fight, because you know he's like a, a fish out of water on the ground, mm-hmm. and that fight he actually had good takedown defense. He was staying calm on the ground when he was in the, in danger with that near naked choke attempt of Each. So you see him doing all the right things, and you see, look, this guy is actually he's learning, he's improving, he's making progress. So uh, yeah, he he's still getting better. So I I, I kind of like that. So I'm very intrigued by this uh, Yuri Prohaska fight with, uh, with him.
1: Yeah, I think he's a great character. He's definitely promotable. He's exciting to watch. I'll be honest with you, though. I, I felt he lost that Blakovich fight.
0: Yeah, I was close. I had him... Maybe I'm a little bit biased. But I, I thought he won just close. But it, that's that's one of those fights could have gone either way. It's also how how do you... Because in that third ride, uh, Blakovich had a takedown, but he didn't really do anything with it. Uh, in the first, Was it the first round when he had, he had a takedown? He had the rear really naked choke? Yeah. the control,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the first round to me is a 10-8 round.
0: Yeah, yes. Because could did be. nothing the whole round. No. <laughs> right? No. So
1: that's the difference for me, right? I see it as either a Blahovich win or a draw. That's how yeah. I see
0: it. Yeah.
1: So that was one of those, again, one of those decisions that, although at least in this case, it wasn't blatant. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? you, you no, could, but, but there no. you go
0: again. Where do you, where do you give, when do you give the 10 out round, when, you, when don't you? Maybe.
1: That's right. That's yeah. right. No, awesome, buddy. Awesome having you over. Now, we had talked a little bit before we we started the interview. You had mentioned you were had planned to come to Canada but never had. Yes. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple of Canadian-centric questions, okay?
0: Okay, let's go. First of all, have you ever had a poutine? Have I had a what? Poutine. A poutine? Yes. Is it that the president of Rusland, Russia? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Similar.
0: Yeah. I have no idea.
1: Okay, so no, it's, no it, it's it's French fries with cheese curds on top, and then hot gravy poured over to melt into it.
0: It sounds disgusting, but I'll try it when it's, I get there. It's it. actually
1: quite good. Although I'll, I'll be honest, I I prefer patat fried, Okay, so <laughs> with mayonnaise, okay. I, I like I like the Dutch the Dutch way of doing things. But you've never L- had let's that.
0: make uh, let's make a deal. I'll try the the poutine, and uh, whenever you come over here, you'll have to try the kapsalon which is like uh, a lotus fries kind of thing you have like uh, french fries and they put like shawarma you know shawarma like yes. kebab yeah. and then and then garlic sauce and hot sauce and then melted cheese and they put it in the oven
1: oh is that is that a relatively new thing
0: uh it's been around for a decade or two i think
1: okay so then definitely i definitely have never had it last time i was there okay. was before that
0: so no i will okay, try that
1: I will try that let's
0: exchange culinary <laughs> treats <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, one one more for you. Do you know what a butter tart is?
0: A Butter tart. Yes. No. It sounds good though.
1: Yes. So basically, it is it is a tart, but then it's got a sugary, almost maple, cream sort of filling.
0: Ah, uh, I'm. I have a real sweet tooth. I love sugary things. No, that's a Dutch thing, right? That's a Dutch thing.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, true. You guys have all kinds of sugary things to have there. A lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Okay, and give me a prediction for sometime this year, remainder of year. Give me a bold prediction in the UFC.
0: A bold prediction in the UFC. Bold prediction. Um, Stipe is going to beat John Jones.
1: No, oh, that is bold. That is bold. Now, are you just saying that because it's bold, or are you saying that because you believe it?
0: And no, I know. I, I generally believe he has a chance because everybody thinks Jones is going to steamroll Stipe, but I don't think so because uh, Stipe is maybe he's a little bit old, but he's very smart. He's got great uh, fight IQ. He's got good boxing. He's got good. Decent wrestling, maybe Mm -hmm. not on the level of John Jones, but he won't be taken down like a ragdoll like Cyril Gahn did. So he'll actually put up a better fight than Cyril Ghan did. I'm 100% convinced. And he's tough as nails. We've seen that before. So I don't rule it out of the picture that he will beat John Jones. All right on. We're going to have to 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 revisit this after that fight.
1: Oh, shit. I would would like to see Sipe win. I'll give you that. I would like to see him win this fight. I do give the edge to John Jones, but I'd say you're right. I mean – obviously he can handle the wrestling he was in there against cormier it's not like cormier doesn't know how to wrestle so <laughs> yes. this should be a better fight than what we saw with zero gone 100% agree with you there
0: yeah 100%, 100% now dennis
1: where do our fans find you on social media
0: on instagram it's at dennis cornman so at and then my name put together and obviously uh, we have our uc uh eurosport uh also on instagram which is where uh, where our socials for the show go right on
1: right on good to have you on buddy
0: well, happy to, uh, that you had me. It was a good chat, and I wish you all the best, my friend.
1: You too, buddy. You too. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com.
0: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full
1: podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience. Where no sport is left behind.